soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And when they would anoint with anointing oil, it represented the power of the Lord coming upon them. It represented the Holy Spirit coming upon them. So we, this term anointed, now we want to say of our life in general, personally, that we're anointed and, you know, consecrated. You want to have the power of the Holy Spirit and be set apart, which will be the final thing we get to in just a moment. But this is the tabernacle. This is a building. Now, as a building that had the presence of the Lord, because in the Holy of Holies, we know we're going to see in just a chapter or so ahead that the cloud, of, the cloud was there in the daytime representing the Lord's presence over the tabernacle and the pillar of fire by night. So the cloud by day, the fire by night. And he led them as he moved, they moved. And he moved from the place above the tabernacle. The anointing. He anointed it. It represents the presence of God and the power of God. And so when we come in this sanctuary, when we move forward from this thinking about us as a church, again, I can't emphasize this enough. The church is people, not a building. And I, I know you, I think most of you understand where I'm coming from, but I'm emphasizing the value of coming together in a church building and why it is essential and why it is important and why we do revere this place. When we come in this place, when someone tells us we can't meet, then we do want to meet, don't we? And when someone tells you you can't sing in church, then you do want to sing. You know, ever since that happened, every time I miss a song at the start of service, like I was doing something back here, then the first song we check, I'm like, I'm missing a song. I'm willing to go to jail for singing in church. I might as well get out there and start singing. Or if I'm back here talking and it's the second song, I got to get in there because I might go to jail for singing in church. I probably won't, but I could. So I want to make sure I'm singing when I can. The value of what we do in here. This anointed place. This is a place when we meet in this sanctuary that we want to come in faith. And we want to come with that personal faith in expectation to experience God's presence, the Holy Spirit, and his power. We want to experience his presence and power working in this place when we come in this place. Now, if you come in faith with expectation, the chances are much greater that you personally will sense God's presence and power. If someone comes in unbelief, I mean, how many people have sat in a great glory crusade and listened to Jeremy Camp and Toby Mack and Phil Wickham, a great gospel message, just walk out of there like they didn't get any of it? Well, it's like the parable of the soils. The bird just plucked it right out. We don't want to be those people. We want to have ears to hear what the Spirit says, for many are called and few are chosen. We want to hear, be called, and be chosen. And for the people who come in faith, And church is important, and church gathering is important for the individual, for their family, and for the body of Christ. Because we know in Romans 12 that God's given each one a gift, and Romans 1 Corinthians 12 tells us he's given each one a gift. And there's various ministries and diversities of ministries, but the gifts are given to the benefit of all. So each one of us has a gift, at least one, 
And when we come together, those gifts are working together to build up the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 tells us to be built up into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. So we do get the personal benefit, we get the family benefit, but we get the collective church family benefit as our gifts are here and we find our place and we function in our place in the local church. And so we come and we come to the place where we sense the presence of God, the Holy Spirit is here in the worship. And we sense he's confirming the truth because the Spirit, the word of God pierces bone and marrow, soul and spirit and the Spirit wrote the word and the Spirit goes where no man can go. That's why David said, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And so we gather here just like the early church where it says they gathered around the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and that's what they did, and prayer. This ability to gather like this and have a service like this is so, it's just so essential to who we are and our identity. Now, if we can't gather, and we're like the church in Soviet Union back in the day, or in China right now, and you have to run from city to city and meet in homes and with threat of loss of everything, and then that's what it is. But if you can meet in churches, then we should, and we should value it, appreciate it, and esteem it highly. Church buildings and church services should be a place where there's the anointing, the presence of God, and the power of God. Now, It says in Revelation chapter 2, when Jesus was in his glory, revealing himself to John there, and he introduces himself to the first church, the church of Ephesus, he had the vision, and John had the vision, and Jesus goes from that vision of chapter 1, and he says, I am the one that walks in the midst of the church. That's the thing he says to the first of the seven churches, Ephesus. Jesus says he walks in the midst of the church. And we know, we're told that where there's two or more gathered his name, he's with us. You know, Jesus is here right now. I mean, it's one thing to be an exciting political rally or a sports parade for winning a title. Jesus is here right now. And all things are made by him and for him and him all things consist. And there's nothing made that wasn't made by him. And he is the preeminent one. And he's here. But we hear him and we see him and we experience him through the eyes of faith. His presence, his power. He walks in the midst of the church. And as we gather, we get to experience the human experience here. We get to have communion and make things right with the Lord that way, if that's what we need to do. We get to pray with one another and build up one another in the house of God. We get to, uh, we get to express devotion through giving, if that's how we feel, like giving of our time, our energy, our resources. We get to sing songs. This is what, now, we can sing those in a home, yes, but the assembly in the church, it's, it's so special. We can pour out our hearts when we're going through hard times. The church is a place of comfort. I'll never forget when we lost our son that year in Vista. I'd go in that sanctuary, and I just would just, all that emotion, you know, because we grieve. We grieve. And, and I'm still grieving from losing my mom. I'm grieving from losing my father-in-law. I'm still grieving. We grieve. And there's moments just grief comes upon me. And I, when I know of other people who are grieving, sometimes I, I hear of something sad and sorrowful that other people have gone through. Even our own church, we've had an experience like that recently. I even think about it. I just, I grieve. I start sobbing. It makes me so sad. But we're told to bear one another's burdens. We should rejoice when others rejoice, and we should feel sorrow when they sorrow. That's the church. You know, when Hannah, back in the Old Testament, she came to the tabernacle 
couple hundred years after they're in the land during the, after the time of Judges. That tabernacle was there in Shiloh. It's, it's dead. 300 years later, there it is, you know? And Hannah couldn't have children, and it was a, a blemish on her life. And she went to the tabernacle there in chapter 1, we read, and she was in anguish of spirit, we're told, and she poured out her heart to the Lord. And she, she just gave it to the Lord. And she said, if you give me a son, we're going to make him a Nazarite and this and that and everything else. And she was so expressive that Eli, the high priest, said, you've been drinking. No, I've not been grieving, not drinking. I'm grieving. And this is an expression of my grief. And he said, well, the Lord bless you and hear your petition. And of course, two years later, she brought the toddler, Samuel the prophet, to the temple with his little ephod, little robe, to grow up and serve the Lord and anoint the great King David. It's amazing. You see, from tabernacle to temple to church to church sanctuary, this is where God's people of faith come together and we're real with God individually, we're real with God with our families, and we're real with God as a collective church family. That's what church is meant to be when we gather in this place. And when you look at churches, the body of Christ persecuted worldwide in places like, like radical places like the Middle East, Pakistan, Bangladesh, places like that, Indonesia, Philippines, when, when, when the church is attacked, they always attack the building. Syria, they, they, they attack the building. You know, there's a, there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of Arabic Christians that were in Syria. And there's a lot of them in Egypt still to this day, the Coptic church. And when the people get riled up against them, they always attack the building. The devil hates the central place of worship because when we come here and we sing songs of praise to the Lord, the devil hates that. He hates it when we come together because as iron sharpens iron, so a brother and a sister are sharpening each other's countenance. You see, he wants us to feel like we're all alone and there's no one that thinks like us, there's no one that believes like us. But when we come together in this assembly, and we praising Jesus together and singing songs of faith about him and to him. It makes us stronger, and we sharpen each other. The devil loves to destroy the building itself so he can destroy what really is the church, the people who come to that building. See, he can destroy a marketplace. People just go to another marketplace. But what the devil's found, sometimes if you destroy the church, those people won't come back to church. Because they realize the cost is high. Why does God allow churches to be bombed? Why does he allow churches to be burned? Why does he allow suffering like Brother Lou in China and what he went through, the heavenly man? What? Bonhoeffer. Ivan Prokhanov, Russia. Why, why does... Did you ever ask yourself that? I mean, there's no real answer to it. Why is he allowing so many people in America to just leave church and not come back? I mean, let's be honest, millions of people that were going to church at the beginning of the year are not going to church right now. They're not going to the house of worship. For whatever reason, God knows. And maybe God's just testing us all, like Gideon's men. Maybe he's just preparing us to find out. Maybe he's preparing us for who's really going to stand when we need to stand. Who's really going to be all in. I mean... If we're afraid of something that's equivalent as the flu and that's going to keep us from coming to church, okay. If we're afraid that we're going to get thrown in jail, okay. 
I mean, faith and fear are opposed to each other. And if you want, if you have faith and you want to come to the house of the Lord and worship Jesus with his people and receive his word and be touched by the Holy Spirit, look, you can zoom all you want, but one thing you don't get through a zoom image is the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of his presence in a room. I've done zoom. I had a great time with you people doing it, by the way. I hope we never do it again in Jesus' name. It's clunky on its good day. That's not church. This is church. This is church. And the devil loves anything that substitutes the real thing for something artificial. This is church. We can't lose sight of that. And as people are scattered and wave after wave of fear keeps coming, don't let it keep you from church. Please don't. Please don't. I I mean... All I can do is try and be faithful to be here two times a week to do what we do and bring in the worship leaders to lead us in worship and do my part. We're going to be the church until God's done with me and then the church will still go because obviously the church is bigger than anybody or anything. As long as I'm alive, I want you to come to this place and meet with God personally at the local church in faith and know that Jesus is in our midst and I want you to be able to cry out to him and hear him. And I want him to be in this place and hear you praising the Lord and have you receiving his word of truth by his spirit in your hearts. And to that end, I'm going to stand here until this, till this, till this thing is done, this life of mine. And I'm going to try and raise up people like Sam and Alex and others to do the exact same thing. We're the church. And we're going to support people like people in Russia or people around the world that have faced different things. We're going to support them as well. You know, we've been supporting Voice of the Martyrs for years, well over two decades now, Voice of the Martyrs. You know, we, we support people that lose everything. And they take, they take their churches, then they take their homes, and we stand with those people. It's, you know, we, we did so much for the Middle East the last four or five years. And to see the pictures that you don't get to see, declassified photos. I've seen classified photos that you would never see on laptops in other places of what the church has been through in the Middle East. And there's still people there with multiple death threats on them still gathering in their burnt-out church buildings in the Middle East right now. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? And we got people chirping for two weeks straight on Instagram because they can't shut their mouth, as if their opinion is the only thing that matters, and that's all they can think about. Don't be that kind of person. Faith over fear. Light over darkness. Kingdom over hell. And that's what we get at church. It was the psalmist who said, I would have lost heart until I went into the house of the Lord, and then I remember the end of the wicked. And I said, why do I even think like this? Because the end of the wicked is bad, but the end of the righteous is good. And that's what we're reminded of every time we come here and we open his word. We want to be the people that hang out where the tabernacle is with the anointing and the consecration. And the consecration is to be set apart, and the church is set apart. A number of pastors have said in the last six months, to say that church is essential is degrading to the church. It's like putting the church on the same level as retail business. Nothing against retail business because most of us make a living in some form of retail or manufacturing. Church is essential? How demeaning. Oh, we're equal to you know, box stores. We're equal to casinos. Or how about like Nevada where the governor says, casinos are essential, abortion clinics are essential, but churches are not essential. Like, 
That's what you get. If you try and say, hey, we're equal to casino and abortion clinics, we're essential, that's what you get. You get some politician saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not essential. Casinos are essential and abortion clinics are essential in the state of Nevada. But you see, you never have heard me come up here and say, like, hey, we're essential. We're as important as anything else. No, we're the church. I don't need to say that. Jesus doesn't need you to defend him. And I don't need to go up here and tell you the church is the most important thing on the planet because you already know that. Because the church is the most important thing on the planet. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. This is the most important thing on the planet. You, not the building, you, the people. Christ died for us and shed his blood for us to redeem us. We are his bride and there's a glory coming and a wedding feast coming. And I don't need to lower myself and try and convince some governor or president or prime minister anywhere saying, we're essential. Forget that. We're the church. We're under the blood and we've got tongues of fire. And when Jesus says he's done, he's done. Until then, we've got to keep being the church. And we can't live in fear. The church is consecrated. We are set apart. We are set apart. And once the Lord commits something to his own ownership, it becomes holy ground. And that's kind of interesting about Calvary Chapel. Because all these Calvary chapels, like Jeff Johnson up here, you know, that was formerly a, like a, a Sears or something like that. And, you know, Calvary Vista was a happy home center. And I mean, Calvary Chapel was a front runner in the late 80s and 90s to get the storefront properties and make churches out of them. We kind of led the way with that. And then the secret churches kind of did the same thing. And then, you know, then people got stadiums and made those churches too, stuff like that. But that's kind of one of the funny things about Calvary Chapel. We had all that music coming from the Maranatha music back in the day. And this freedom, like Raul Reese and his original church there in West Covina was like a strip mall shopping center. I remember going there like, wow, this is something at Mana for today. This is Raul Reese's church. This is awesome. You know, it's like, and then I'm like, kind of like not my neighborhood, right? When I get in, it's like, oh, hey, surfer boyfriend, San Diego is a different, West Covina is a different crowd, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, but we showed Sunriders there back in 88 and it was awesome. We make things holy. See, Costco can buy property and build something or can flip to Big Five or something. And it is what it is. Costco's not holy ground. Whole Foods isn't holy ground. Target's not holy ground. Those are stores. The new Charger Ram Stadium, that's not holy ground. It's just a stadium. It's entertainment. Bellaterra, if it's ever open again, that's not holy ground. It's just a theater. Unless a church goes in there, which they've done in the past, and make it holy ground for what they're doing. This is holy ground. This is consecrated. See, at Costco, they live and die buying food at a good price, whatever, or a discount bulk, right? In this place, I've watched kids sing to the Lord. I've done memorials and weddings and dedications and communion and all the worship. And it's interesting the church is like, it's kind of silly, so bear with me, but church is like being a season ticket holder for a baseball team. This season goes on forever. And we're season ticket holders. Like, you, we're all right where we, where we be, you know? A big Calvary used to sit where people sit just to get a reaction from, oh, I know, uh, it's like that kind of person. But we have our spots we like. You notice I changed my season tickets. I was over here and I moved over here now. I'm kind of like, I went from first base side to third base side. I'm, get, I'm getting a different view over here. Something funny about your season ticket holder, right? It's 162 games, so you see like 81 games if you go to all of them. Your worst fear as a season ticket holder is to miss the no-hitter, right? Or someone hits for the cycle. 
Like, oh, man, I get into that season tickets for 30 years. Like, the Padres finally throw a no-hitter, and I'm not at Petco. Like, ah, oh, cursed. Hey, well, you know, that can happen with the Lord. How about this year, Jack's worship of the last service, March 14th, before COVID? Do you remember that night? Hey, that night was very special. If you were here March 14th, you know the fear, the run on all the food, and Jack was up here. We were praising. We were worshiping. That night was really special with the Lord. His presence, his power. It was consecrated. It was a holy place. How about when Joe Henschel came back for the first time in seven years, a month and a half ago? It's like, whoa. Like, that was the, that Tuesday night was, it, the Saturday was great too, but that Tuesday night was like, wow. The Lord just came. See, church is special. It's consecrated. God's going to do things here that he does not do at Costco and Target. Because this is where we come to worship him. We shop at Costco and Target. We worship and pray and praise his name in the sanctuary. This is a holy place. It's consecrated. So it's anointed, his presence and his power, and it's consecrated. It's set apart. This is set apart. This, this is why, by the way, that's why Pastor Chuck never liked anybody selling anything on the property at Calvary Costa Mesa. When we had worship generation and the bands would come with their stuff, their, their merch, as they called it, hey, you got to go to the bookstore because my house will not be a house of merchandise. And when we had WG back at Big Calvary, people all the time like, hey, I got this new Christian t-shirt brand, this and that. Can I, can I pass out? Nope. Nope. There's no merchandising here. This is, this is consecrated. This is all about Phil Wickham leading worship, Tim Chaddock leading worship, Scott Cunningham, Bobby Brown, Joe Tida. There's a, a house of worship. This is not a house of, we never, you know. I mean, there's a place for that stuff, I understand, but Chuck knew where it was, right there down by the bookstore and all. It's consecrated. It's consecrated. And I close with this thought. When I was on staff for five years at Calvary Coast, especially a large church like that, being raised the way I was raised, I went to so many different, like, Catholic churches around the world with my parents, with my mom, particularly. Yeah, I look at stained glass window and stuff. I, I, for some reason, that did connect with me. And at Calvary Costa Mesa, Chuck, Chuck, you know, it's just a sanctuary. It's a humble sanctuary, right? It's a humble sanctuary, but it's a holy place. Calvary Costa Mesa is consecrated. You know, when I asked Pancho Juarez to fill in for me for the first time at Calvary Costa Mesa, he was in tears. He got saved there. And he got to go back and be in Pastor Chuck's pulpit in 2003, filling in for me. He still invites me up to his church to this day. But like, to him, it was a consecrated thing. Like, hey, I'm in Pastor Chuck's pulpit. This is not Costco or Big Five. This is Calvary Costa Mesa. The house Chuck built, right? Like the legacy. Oh, when I was on staff, the phone calls, the people coming in all the time, the needs, the people, the memorial service. I always remember Trevor Renee's memorial after he died in the war. Gosh, it was so sad, former student at the school. And then the weddings, and there's always weddings and always memorials going on there. People trusted it. 9-11 is my closing thought on this. When 9-11 happened, I've told this story many times, but on 9-11, I was there, and people came by the thousands that day, the next day, for the National Day of Prayer, that Sunday, people came from all over by the tens of thousands to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and Pastor Chuck led the church, led the movement. Why didn't they go to Costco? Why didn't they go to Target? Why didn't they go to the Big A? Why didn't they go to the Coliseum? 
Why didn't they go to see the professors at USC or UC Irvine? Why did they come to Calvary Costa Mesa? Because it's a church and it's a holy place. It's anointed and it's consecrated. That's why. They came to have their fears alleviated. They came to have their faith strengthened and to have their vision clarified with hope. And they came to pray and to confess and to honor the Lord. One of my greatest greatest privileges in ministry the week of 9-11 at Calvary Costa Mesa. So tonight, Body of Christ, WG, it's just a good reminder. It's a privilege to come to this building from the Lord, not me, from the Lord. It's a privilege to come here and sing praises to him and sing new songs. It's a privilege to see one another, to wave, bump elbows, whatever, hug, whatever you're comfortable with. It's a privilege to pray with one another. We're the church, and uh, we, the people of the church, but this is where we come together. May God strengthen our faith to keep coming together and just trust in him in all things, not just for this anointed and consecrated place, but for everything that life has for us. Because Jesus is Lord, and he didn't die on the cross to save us from our sins and rise from the grave to justify us and give us hope to leave us trembling in fear in this human experience that he promised to give us joy and abundant life in. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.